Good morning and welcome to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. My name is Kyle Jones. I'm joined as always by my good friend Cole Tucson. Cole, how's it going? You know, I'm doing good right now. Obviously, you know, can't wait to next weekend, you know, March Madness brackets, you know, get released. So really looking forward to that. But, you know, SEC, you know, I know the women's basketball tournament, you know, ended, but the men's kicks off tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. It's uh, everything. Everything really sets off on the morrow on Wednesday, my dude. And so it will be very interesting to see how things pan out in the Southeastern Conference. Of course, the two teams playing on Wednesday, well, rather four teams playing on on Wednesday, uh, two that I actually care about. My, my, two, my two teams are playing on, on Wednesday, Cole. The Tigers playing Georgia, and the Texas A&M Aggies playing Vanderbilt. That tournament, of course, occurring down in Nashville, Tennessee at the Bridgestone Arena, but that's not all we're going to talk about. Uh, draft is quickly approaching. There's quite a lot going on in the NFL. Draft talk, free agent talk. There are a whole lot of movers and shakers going around the league over the past couple of days. And then some NBA talk. What's going on with the Warriors? And then, you know, maybe maybe some other things as we go along, you're going to have to stay tuned to find out. So definitely keep it here after the break. You're listening to KNC Sports live on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. We'll be right back. Sundays at 9 a.m., it's the weekly walkthrough. Tune in to KCOU 88.1 FM to hear Ethan Salm and Nick Catlin recap everything that happened in the world of sports this week. Start your Sunday off right with the weekly walkthrough. Follow us on Twitter at Weekly Walk KCOU for updates on the show. And remember to tune in to KCOU 88.1 at 9 a.m. on Sundays. Whether it be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, let one-to-one print shop handle your custom apparel needs. Need some inspiration in crafting a logo or design? Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one print shop and check out some of their latest work. Or check out their website at one-to-oneprintshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. One-to-one print shop is the place to get custom apparel in Columbia. Welcome back to KNC Sports 
here on KCOU, 88.1 FM, Columbia. So as we were talking about before the break, SEC tournament basketball action, at least for the men, kicking off on the morrow down in Nashville, Tennessee. And the Tigers pittered out to end the season. What looked like was going to be a strong end to the regular season, a strong three-game winning streak to close things out. Um, did not materialize. Instead, the uh, Tigers took the L against Ole Miss on Saturday. In what was a really unfortunate game, the Tigers once again blowing a double-digit lead. And Cole, as we approach this game against Georgia tomorrow, I ask you, what is your... What is your, you know, your thoughts about this Tiger regular season? And of course, we're, we're going to go into this further, you know, after the Tigers inevitably get booted from the SEC tournament. But, you know, what what did this season do for you? Well, you know, talking about, you know, the Ole Miss game, because, you know, that was the most recent, you know, the final regular season game. And you never bring up a great point, you know, the Mizzou, you know, had a great lead. They had Xavier Pinson had himself a career game. And it looks like everything was going well for the senior night for Mizzou, but you know, costly turnovers were were some that we talked about, you know, on the show a lot, you know, the entire season. And there are a few instances where, you know, I was broadcasting the game, I was, you know, broadcasting for KCOU, and you know, there's a few instances that just really made me scratch my head, being like, what was the game plan here for? I'm going to bring up a few examples. I know you were producing the game, so I'm not sure if you watched the game. I did, yep, we had it We had it on in here. Um, there was definitely a couple of head-scratching moments. I'd love to hear uh, your, your highlights. Well, you know, for a turnover that, you know, in my opinion, really started the Ole Miss run, that Ole Miss, you know, got in that comeback run, was when Mizzou passed the ball from one side of the court to the other, which resulted in Ole Miss dunk, when Tillman yep. was... Open under the basket for a easy point. Yeah, they they did a lot of that cross court passing over the weekend, and it really it boggles my mind why in any level of basketball above you know about eighth grade you would ever even attempt a cross court pass unless you are literally wide open. Because after eighth grade, like almost literally every basketball team on the planet is going to have enough fellas who are tall enough to intercept that pass. I mean, that's just geometry. You know, that's just, that's just called people get tall when they grow up, you know? And, you know, Ole Miss is tall. And they intercept those cross-court passes. So I don't know why in the world you'd even attempt that. But they did. And they did not benefit from it. Um, There's a couple of other instances where I was like, what in the world are we doing? Um, I'd like to hear your next one, Cole. And I'll see if we uh, we concur. Well, I guess, you know, the Nets, you know, Ole Miss spark was when... Like, uh, one person I want to bring up on Ole Miss who really sparked was K.J. Buffin, who 
shot a three, made it, and has stayed for a few more threes. And I'm not sure if you knew, but he was a going to the game. He was an 18% three point shooter. And he shot one for two on Saturday. It's 50%. Which, and he hesitated a few times when he was open. Yep, he he could have probably put in a few more if he really decided to go up for it. Um, now Buffin definitely the sixth man for the Rebels at 26 minutes in the game was two for five in field goals, one for two for three, hundred percent from the line. He was three for three with three offensive rebounds and three defensive rebounds. I mean, the guy, the guy definitely pulled his weight. Um, but yeah, I mean, allowing him to, you know, when when you're allowing their low percentage shooters to have a good night, like you're having problems, you know, like there's some serious issues there. Um, I'm going to I'm going to name another another instance for myself. Um Xavier Penson was trapped trapped in the corner near the end of the basketball game. And you know, Mizzou's just trying to you know, trying to I think at this point they were just trying to hold on and he's trapped. And he very well could have either stepped out of bounds or he could have you know, allowed Kamza Martin to call a timeout. Or he could have, you know, chucked up a shot. But instead, he went for this weird behind-the-back pass thing. Either Tillman or Guy forget which. And it was just absolutely read like a book by an Ole Miss player who took it down the court and, you know, just waylaid it into the basket for an easy two. You know, and that's just like, you know, that's momentum stuff right there. And that's, you know, what what better what better way to sink your ship than to, you know, throw your own missile into it, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, let's talk, talk let's not talk about, you know, when Ole Miss secured the victory where, you know, Mizzou was down by three at this point. They missed the shot, and then Ole Miss gets the rebound. But Mizzou hesitated for like 10 seconds to foul an Ole Miss player. So that resulted in... A lot of costly time being wasted. And the more time you waste, the less chance you have to come back. Yeah, they really don't they, they they don't like to foul when it matters, which is so ironic. Cause this is a team that gets into so much foul trouble. They had eighteen fouls in the game. You had Penson and Geist getting four. You had Perrier and Tillman getting three, which by the way, the fact that Tillman only had three fouls on the night, signs of improvement. I do say so myself, but very big but. Um, you have to foul in those late game situations when you're only down by one or two. And, you know, one shot can change it and you need all the time in the world to take it. Like, that's just gamesmanship. That's just knowing what you're supposed to do in the situation. And I don't know if that's coaching or if that's mindfulness from the players, but they need to, you know, address that. Hopefully Conzo addresses that before tomorrow's game because, you know, with a team like Missouri who has consistently blown every league given to them pretty much, you know, I'm not, I'm not, confident that they'll be able to hold on to a lead against Georgia. 
despite what happened in their last game against the Bulldogs, you know? Now, when you talk about, you know, Mizzou blowing all of this, it definitely is a concern, but I'm not sure if you knew this, but Ole Miss is one of the best teams in the SEC to, you know, within the, like, the last three minutes of the game to get a spark from the offense. That's how they, you know, almost beat Tennessee, and they almost beat Kentucky in Kentucky. So that definitely is something to consider, but... Mizzou blowing leads, that's a problem that's ever been prevalent ever since the LSU overtime debacle. I mean, but, like, uh, let's just let's just look at this, you know, you talk about Ole Miss being a team that, you know, sparks up in the last three minutes, but, like, if we're being real here, shouldn't that be something that's scouted? Shouldn't you know, as a team, that this is a squad that turns it on in late-game situations, and shouldn't you prepare for that? You know, like, the Tigers should have known coming in, hey, this is a team that may not give it their all 100% of the time, but they're definitely going to give it their all in the clutch, and we need to be ready for that, and we need to be mindful of that. And that's what I see a lot of lacking in this team. And I, bl- I blame it on the fact that they're all very young. But um, this team lacks mindfulness. They don't really think before they act. They don't really have a... F- n- nobody really on the squad has a f- you know, full-court vision, as I like to call it. They don't see situations for what they are. They're not looking out for the second option. If option number one is closed then it's time to dribble around for, you know, for 10 seconds and, you know, huck huck up a shot before the shot clock, you know, buzzes. You know, if if option number one is not there, you can almost guarantee that that shot clock is going to bleed down to the final seconds. That definitely is a problem where, you know, on the offensive side, they, you know, hold on the ball, you know, at the half-court set, whether it's Geis, whether it's Pinson... Heck, even if it's Torrance Watson, they definitely, you know, hold on to the ball for 15 seconds. And then final seven seconds of play, that's when they, you know, call a pick and roll with like Nico or Jeremiah Tillman. You can't do that because you're basically limiting yourself of the quality shots you're going to get, and especially in the second half. That's going to result in, you know, a lot of these, you know, late, late, you know, comebacks by their teams. All right. So transitioning now from the old Miss game to the Georgia game. What do the Tigers need to do to defeat Georgia? The Tigers did win against the Bulldogs earlier in the season. In fact, it's one of the few SEC squads who they were actually able to come away with a victory against. They held the Bulldogs to under 40 points. It was 64-39, which is you know, maybe one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen by a team. 39 points in a college basketball game is horrendous. Um, But, I mean, chalk that up to the fact that UGA was shooting 15% from three and 25% field goals. You know, that's terrible. I think, well, what I'm seeing from this Georgia team is, I think it's what we talked about earlier of how Georgia's going to change their game plan up for the SEC tournament, and Mizzou needs to expect 
that things are going to change. It's not going to be like pinpoint of what the game was like in Athens. You can't have the same game plan you did in Athens in the SEC tournament. It's just not going to work. Clearly. Um, but but what is that game plan? I mean, are we going to see more press out of the Bulldogs? Because we all know that when when the Tigers wind up facing a press defense, they essentially shut down. Well, the one thing that, you know, I you know, going back to the Ole Miss game, but one thing that Mizzou could not handle at the beginning of the game was Ole Miss was double-teaming in the half-court set, and Mizzou really didn't know what to do. They were standing around. No one was open. No one was moving. And Mizzou had to call a lot of timeouts very early on in the game. So maybe that's the strategy for Georgia. We'll have to see how it pans out tomorrow. A little bit of scores from around the nation just to keep you clued in. Wofford has punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament. They got the automatic bid winning their conference championship game last night over UNC Greensboro. Gonzaga steamrolling Pepperdine, 174. They advanced to the next round in the West Coast Conference Tournament. And then Hofstra beating Delaware in overtime. Hofstra, of course, the number one seed in the CAA Tournament. Delaware, I believe, was the number five. And the Blue Hens took it to the Hofstra pride. They took it all the way to overtime. It just could not get it done, and they drop a tough one in OT to Hofstra, who I am of the opinion will now go on to win the CAA. The uh, the Blue Hens were really their only their only hurdle until they faced Northeastern in the championship. But that's going to do it for college basketball talk. When we come back, some NFL talk, so stay tuned. We'll be right back on KCOU 88.1 FM. You're listening to KNC Sports. From noon till one every sports Saturday, tune in to Cut the Nets on KCOU 88.1 FM with host Chuck Ryan. I think he's really changing how the game is played from the safety position. He basically played linebacker too. And Zach Berman. Teams and the Warriors are just sort of sitting there like, hello. As they talk sports along with producer David Kuntz. Jets hired Adam Gase. Like they're not going to get better. For NBA. This is leading up to the Knicks going on a free agent binge this summer. Yeah, and and then they're going to end up signing like Tobias Harris. NFL. The most bland like milk toast football that there is. Hey, they win. And Mizzou commentary. If Mizzou doesn't win, uh, it's tank mode. That doesn't work in the What NCAA. do you tank for? Check out Cut the Nets, part of KCOU Sports Saturday, every Saturday from noon to one. Always shoot your shot. Looking for something that smashes sports content and video game content together into one big late night radio sandwich? Listen to Quarter Circle Backboard. A show in which your boy Chris Mitchell brings you the latest and hottest in sports news that you like and video game news that I like every Friday night at 11 p.m. on KCOU. I talk about everything from football to basketball to Street Fighter to Fallout to you name it. Is the worst thing up past your bedtime? Tune in and find out. KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, Kyle Jones, and Holtus, and here uh, in the studio, 
And before we continue, a sport in itself, life is, and one woman in Japan has done a darn good job of it today. Uh, I think her name is Kane Tanaka. I don't know how it's actually pronounced, but uh, she was born in 1903. She's 116 years old, and today she has been officially recognized as the world's oldest living person. So long may she reign. Uh, but getting back to actual sports, the NFL um, had a day yesterday, and they've been having a day uh, for a while now. Cole, there's been quite a few times in the past couple of days where you look at you look at the National Football League, you're like, what in the world is going on? You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about all the moves and everything, there's literally a move that came in, you know, when we were on break. So I'm not sure if you saw, but the Packers are going to be building that linebacker position, getting Zadarius Smith from the Ravens, who, if you don't know, he's one of the top linebackers in Baltimore. Yep, he uh, he was the sack leader for Baltimore. They were the number one defense in the NFL last year, and he had a career best of 8.5 sacks last season. I mean, that's just, dang. That's a great ad for the, pa- for the Packers. You know, they need... They need more defensive weapons, and that's going to definitely definitely be one of them. Uh, we also had, of course, uh, Terrell Suggs. The uh, you know, I I would say at this point, meh, maybe not Baltimore Ravens legend, but he definitely had a serious impact on the NFL in many ways. Terrell Suggs signing a one-year, seven million dollar deal with the. Arizona Cardinals yesterday, so that's big. Landon Collins is now the highest paid safety. He's going to the Redskins. I mean, yeah, like, go for it, you know? Go for it. Josh McCown is going to take some more time before deciding whether he wants to play in 2019. I mean, the guy's 39. He's going to be a free agent this week. It might be time for McCown to hang it up. I mean, it hasn't been really the headline maker that I think he probably wants to be. Frank Gore, who we all know from his Indianapolis Colts days, he was on the Dolphins. Now he's heading to Buffalo, a team that almost secured one Antonio Brown, but Antonio Brown we'll talk about later. That's such an unfortunate turn of events that you lose out on you lose out on AB, and so in return you go out and get Frank Gore. Like, I love Frank Gore. He's a legend, probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But my God, you know? Like, you just got to feel bad for Buffalo. And I mean, Buffalo as a place is just unfortunate. I mean, it's, you know, a realm of sadness up there. Kareem Jackson going up to Denver, three-year, $33 million. That's, you know, that's pretty big. He had his best season of his nine-year career last year spent every year of his career with the Texans so I personally am very sad to see him go I think it's stupid that we didn't re-sign him especially after he's coming off his best year you know this defense is always really impressive and defensive backs like Kareem Jackson are the sort of people that the Texans need you know hopefully they they parlay that money into creating a decent offensive line for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Tyron Matthew also leaving 
the Texans, the uh, the Honey Badger, going up to Kansas City, three years, forty-two million, which is a lot of money. But at the same time, I think he's worth it. He had a good season last year. Um, I can imagine he'll have another good season this upcoming year. It's definitely really good. Uh, you know, it's a good safety signing for the Chiefs. Who you know, if you can if you can improve that defense, then go for it. How about Nick Foles? How Philadelphia once put a franchise tag on him, and now he's going to Jacksonville, which that's already insane in its own. But I now have to ask you, with the NFL draft coming up, we saw Drew Locke being projected to the Jaguars, or Dwayne Haskins, or even Kyler, Kyler Murray. Murray. Yeah, um, do they get a quarterback, or do they go to another position? I think that they have to move to a different position now because, like. When you look at it, right, you got you got Blake Bortles, who's not good, but he's there. And you got Nick Foles, who we, we all know won a Super Bowl in the last three years. I mean, the guy is, you know, definitely competent. He showed that. So if you got two guys on your team who have had success, not immense amounts of it, but occasional periods of success recently, then why do you draft a third fella who's just going to ride the bench for most of the season, you know? Like, what's the point of doing that? We all kind of thought that the draft was going to be the Jaguars' way of replacing Blake Bortles, but it now seems that Nick Foles is going to be their way of replacing Blake Bortles, Um, which to me signals even more clearly that Drew Locke is going to go to either the Redskins or the Denver Broncos. You know? I think... I just think... like the It was up to those three in my eyes. It was either going to be Denver, Washington, or Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville has just effectively taken their name out of the hat. So now it seems, at least to me, that you've got either Washington or Denver... And frankly, after all the attention that John Elway paid to Drew Locke towards the end of the season, I just don't see any reason why he wouldn't go out and draft draft Drew in the first round. It just doesn't really make sense not to, you know? Maybe with Antonio Brown going to the Raiders, maybe John Gruden drafts Drew Locke with that pick. I could maybe see that. I could maybe see that, but at the same time, like, Derek Carr is not terrible, and he could still get the job done, you know? I haven't seen anything on the Raiders drafting Drew Locke. The, you know, you're right about that. The teams I've seen, Drew Locke is the Redskins, Jaguars are up to bait, the Giants, the Broncos. Well, I think the Giants getting Dwayne Haskins. I think that's all, that's already not confirmed, but that that's the logical pick. And Miami Dolphins. Yeah, which I'm sad about because that means that he would de- he would essentially dethrone Ryan Tannehill, which I feel so bad for Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the guy will always be remembered at AM as the one who, you know, started out as a wide receiver. Transitioned to quarterback after um, 
Ah, uh, God. Gerard Johnson. After Gerard Johnson uh, started playing like garbage. Uh, it was like the first year. It was either the first year in the SEC or the last year in the Big 12. I forget which. Um, but then he played decent. He played decent and, you know, that was cool and all. But then his successor will always be so much more known as, you know, he was he was the prelude to what would become Johnny Football. It went Tannehill, then Johnny Manziel. And then for a little while, if you're, uh, if you're curious about some Texas A&M history goal, Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen, both of whom left, they transferred, and then now we're at Kellen Mond. But, you know, Ryan Tannehill has been plagued with injury problems. It doesn't surprise me that they want you know, trade for a fella like Drew Locke, who really has not had any issues health-wise his entire career. You know, I don't, I don't think he's ever really had to sit out any games. I don't remember him having to sit out any games. You know, definitely not in the two years that we've been here. Um, So it makes sense that the Dolphins would go for him. I just feel bad for Ryan Tannehill because I never, I feel like he never got, a, he never got a true shot. You know? couple of other moves. Deshaun Jackson heading home. He's uh, he's being traded by the Buccaneers back up to Philadelphia. What what do you think of that? What do you think of Deshaun Jackson, Cole? Cuz I I like him. You know, he's old but I like him. I think he's a good, you know, wide out or anything, but when you talk about that, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's not the name I think of first in my opinion. It's the A&M Mike Evans who I think of first for a Tampa Bay wideout. So I think his efforts are underappreciated a little bit. He's the, uh, but before he was released by Chip Kelly in Philadelphia, he produced three 1,000 yard receiving seasons, which is tied for the most in franchise history with Harold Carmichael and Mike Quick. That's, uh, that's straight from ESPN. So if he can put up 1,000 receiving yards this upcoming season, he would be the leader in that category, which would be really good. And I actually, if if he gets targeted enough by Carson Wentz, and I think he might be, then, you know, go for it. Going yeah. back to quarterback talk, Case Keenum is now on the Redskins. Case Keenum is a Redskin, which, once again, does that rule out the Redskins drafting Drew Locke, or what, are they going to... Have Drew sit behind Case Keenum? I mean, now the Redskins have, like, three quarterbacks, you know? They got Colt McCoy, who they had... There had been discussion that he would start. They've got Alex Smith, who is still dealing with injury problems, and now they've got Keenum. Like, that's that's three guys who Drew could potentially sit behind. Does that rule them out of the Drew Locke sweepstakes? Has... The list now truly been lowered to Dolphins Broncos, you know, or are they going to cut one of those guys? I mean, it's it's very, it's a very weird situation when you look at you know what's what's going on in in Washington. I mean, that whole 
that whole, whole organization is very much, you know, you, you start wondering what's going on. But talk about any NFL move. Obviously, there's one name that comes to mind is Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown. What a what a story. We uh we go to Captain Marvel on what was that Thursday night? Thursday night, yeah. We go to Captain Marvel on Thursday night, which great movie. Um, really enjoyed it. And as soon as the credits hit and everyone turns on their phone, here's the news. Antonio Brown agreeing to go to the Buffalo Bills, and we're all like, wow, okay, that's cool. Didn't expect that one. Uh, but then AB gets on his Instagram and comments on a picture from ESPN as fake news. So then we're like, what? Uh, and it turns out, yeah, it was fake news. He is not. He was not going to the Bills. They did not get that trade agreed upon. They couldn't agree upon the terms of that deal. So instead, he is now headed to Oakland, which is weird. It is weird because he was traded for Oakland for two picks, a second rounder and a third rounder. I'm not sure. No, it was actually it was third and fifth. Oh, third and fifth. I'm mistaken, but a third and fifth rounder. And if you put the trade... In the Madden, the Steelers will reject that immediately, and they'll have no interest in training Antonio Brown for those picks. Yep the uh, the the grades that I'm getting off of off of um, one of the analysts from ESPN, uh, Barnwell, he's given the Raiders an A, or actually I think an A minus. He's he's given the Raiders an A minus. He's given the Steelers a C minus. So Steelers are pretty close to, to you know to failing out. You know they need to start working on their GPA. Let's see, my I saw a D by NFL. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Terrible deal, absolutely terrible deal. And, and frankly, I don't know what the I don't know what the Raiders are going to do with this anyway. I mean, this guy's a 31 year old running back, um, or rather receiver. He's a 31 year old receiver. He's he's relatively you know he's getting past his prime. There are better guys, not better necessarily, but there are younger guys, hungrier guys in the draft who you don't have to spend that money on, you know, you can, you can pick up a pretty solid, a pretty solid hungry young receiver in the third round, you know, and you don't have to pay him three years with a deal worth up to $54 million, you know, like th- this guy's getting 30 million guaranteed. Which in my mind, he's worth that money oh, for because sure. for sure. he's arguably one of the best players in the NFL, excuse me, wideouts. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. He's definitely worth it. But what I'm saying is, like, how long is he going to be worth that? How how many more years? The guy's 31. When's it going to hit the time where we say, oh, uh, I think it might be time for AB to uh, retire because we're getting close. You know, I think we're talking about, you know, NFL players retire. Antonio Brown doesn't cross the mind. Obviously, players who consider retiring are... Tom Brady, well, like, yeah, Gronkowski, he's, Julian he's gonna, Edelman. He's not going to cross your mind right now because he's still only thirty-one. But you know, with a three with a three-year contract, like, comes time for that second year, and we're going to be like, because mm, I think he's going to fall off this season, in my opinion. I think this is, this this year one in Oakland, he's not going to look as good as usual. I think he's going to have an off year. But well, is it going to be because of? The offensive line and talent compared to Pittsburgh? It or? could be. It really could be. His numbers might look bad because he's not surrounded by the folks he was surrounded by in 
Pittsburgh, but at the same time, like, we got to face facts. The guy's going to be 34 by the end of this contract, you know? He's he's getting up there. Tom Brady playing until 40 is a miracle. I mean, you know, he's, he's, you know, Brett Favre playing for as long as he, as he did is a miracle, and we saw what that did to him late, late in his career. I mean, he, he very well could have tarnished his legacy with those stints in New York and in Minnesota. In fact, he slightly did in Minnesota with that stupid throw in the uh, in the playoffs, you know? And that that's one of the things where we look at, ah, oh, how does Brett Favre end his career? Ah, oh, yes, throwing an interception when he didn't have to. So Antonio Brown going to the Raiders, do you think this was the right team for him? Because obviously, you know, he was looking at teams like the NFC North, like my Chicago Bears, or let's see, I'm trying to think of what other teams that he was looking at. I saw the Jets. I don't know if this is right for him. I think it's, I think it's decent. I think it's a, I think it's a decent move. But in terms of being right, I'm not entirely sure. We're gonna take another short break. When we come back, some NBA talk. So stay tuned. We're gonna be right back on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. If you're interested in building a great career, the Missouri Army National Guard is interested in you. The Guard will pay you to train for a wide range of jobs, such as engineering, combat arms, logistics, transportation, and military police. The skills you'll learn are needed in the Guard and are in high demand in the civilian job market. Plus, you may be eligible for a $20,000 bonus and student loan repayment. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. If you're interested in building a great career, the Missouri Army National Guard is interested in you. The Guard will pay you to train for a wide range of jobs, such as engineering, combat arms, logistics, transportation, and military police. The skills you'll learn are needed in the Guard and are in high demand in the civilian job market. Plus, you may be eligible for a $20,000 bonus and student loan repayment. Visit NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association in this station. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Having a good Tuesday morning. Hope you are too. Weather's been Pretty solid, I would say. Cole, would you agree? Weather's been good? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a relief. You know, I was looking at the weather report before I came down to the studio today, and, you know, seeing 50 degrees for, like, the next two weeks is a relief from, like, the normal, like, sub-zero temperatures we get in Columbia here. Yeah, man, we finally uh, we finally escaped the, the, the you know, polar vo- the polar vortex, you know, which is beautiful. But so we're talking about the NBA right now, and we're going to talk specifically about the Golden State Warriors, who are having a little bit of a hiccup. Let's, let's call it a hiccup. 
Um, your, your question on Twitter, Cole, was, are they broken? Is there a problem? To which I say no. And I'll tell you why. This team is still incredibly talented. This team still has all the pieces that it really needs in order to stay talented. The Hamptons 5 is still intact. You know, Kevin Durant is day-to-day, but he's going to recover. He's going to be fine. You know, they're having a little bit of a they're having a little bit of a fit here, you know, often off again on again in terms of winning and losing. But that's going to subside. They're going to be fine. And by the time all is said and done, they're going to get into the playoffs, and that's all you need when you're Golden State. As long as you can get into the playoffs, they'll go however far they see fit. You know? You know, when you're talking about, you know, the Golden State Warriors and everything, obviously, you know, talking about the playoffs is one thing, but, you know, prefacing another thing with free agency, obviously, DeMarcus Cousins has a one-year deal. So will they plan on resigning for like four years, whether or not the Warriors win the championship? I mean, I think you you could probably stand to let go of DeMarcus Cousins. You know, he's he's getting up there with age. Um I think that, you know, definitely he can he can probably stand to be like a Kevin Durant is is, is going to be a free agent as well. Um you still got Andre Iguodala who is inc- still under people don't talk about Iguodala enough. Still a quality player him. You know, you don't need Kevin Durant. You you can have Iguodala as long as in my eyes you have the trio of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. As long as you have that, and then maybe Iguodala, you will be fine if you're Golden State. You know? Those three guys, Steph, Clay, Draymond, will take you, you know, will take you to the moon. You know? So all three, DeMarcus, Kevin Durant, and Clay are all gonna be free agents this come off season. In your mind, I'm in out my, of any of those, if they could sign only one, it if, would be Clay Thompson. If they could sign only one, you got you got to sign Clay Thompson. You got to keep the Splash Brothers together. You know, I, that, I can definitely see that because unlike Kevin Durant and Demarcus, Clay's was a draft pick, and he stuck with you ever since. They had the team with David Lee and Andrew Bogut. He stuck with them since they uh, since they had the like. Blue and red weird color scheme and the guy in the logo and the team was trash, you know? Like, he's stuck with them since then. He hasn't asked for any moves. He hasn't He hasn't demanded any salary raises. He's he's done his, he's, he's, you know, he's stuck to his role and he's played the game well. And for that, he should be rewarded with a good contract, you know? So let's just say... The Warriors only do re-sign Clay Thompson if they could. Where do you see in the foreseeable future DeMarcus and Kevin Durant could end up? Kevin Durant, I see going to the Knicks. In terms of DeMarcus Cousins, I don't really know. You know? Like, what what team fits him? 
maybe the like, I don't I don't see him going to like Atlanta or something, you know? Like who needs a center who is as old as Boogie cuz he's getting up there. You know? The Bulls could obviously use a true center, but they're probably going to use their if they don't get Zion, they're probably going to want to draft a guy like Bulbul or something. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so I I think Bulbul is I think Bulbul is an, you know, an obvious look for Chicago. Um does Atlanta need a center? Does Houston need a center? I don't really think so. You know? I mean, Boston has Al Horford. Boston so. has Horford. Do the Magic need one? I mean, they have young Mo Bamba. So. Exactly. Exactly. They got Mo. Ballin' in the show. I don't know the words to that stupid song. It's a stupid song, so I don't listen to it. Um, I guess one team that comes to mind that needs a center is... San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a that's a solid pick for him. You know, like this but is. But would Greg Popovich want a guy like that in the locker room? Because obviously, Demarcus, I don't think so. I think Greg Greg wants talent. You know, and and Demarcus Cousins still has talent. And if you've got a good coach and you've got a good atmosphere, you're gonna have a good attitude. You know, doesn't matter about the past. You know, he's going to have a good attitude if he's in a good spot. And so I think if Popovich can really sell him on San Antonio, Popovich will get him. I think that's a, I think a, that really would be a solid spot is, is the Spurs, you know? He's experienced with that division, you know? Coming from, uh, from Nolens, you know? So he's experienced playing, you know, playing the Rockets, playing the Thunder, playing the, you know, Playing that sort of area, playing the Mavs. So, so I think I, I really think San Antonio is a, a solid spot for Demarcus Cousins. Um, I mean, he's he's been a solid player as well. Fifteen points per game this season, seven rebounds. I mean, that's not bad, you know. But going back to Kevin Durant, you see in your eyes the Knicks, and I definitely see the Knicks as an option for him because Kevin Durant is probably the most hated player in the NBA, would you say? Oh, yeah, he is despised, and for good reason. He's an absolute snake. You know, what he did to the Oklahoma, what he did to the city of Oklahoma City is just pathetic. It's scumbag, you know, scumbaggery as at its finest, you know? Also, he's a Texas Longhorn, so by contract, I'm, I'm you know, legally required to hate him. As as someone who grew up as an Aggie, I, I I have to you know, I have to have a distinct disregard for the man. So unlike LeBron, where he left the Cavs and made it public, and that was a huge mistake. You think the Kevin Durant OKC bridge that's burned a long time ago? Oh yeah, oh yeah. LeBron LeBron healed LeBron healed his ties with the city of Cleveland. And he healed his ties with the city of Miami. You know? He brought Cleveland a championship. He did everything he set out to do. And so for that, I think that the Cavs will be, you know, the Cavs fans were grateful and they responded accordingly. With KD, he didn't win anything. You know? The most he won was the regular season MVP award before left for the 73-9 Warriors. Always seemed relatively selfish 
as well. You know, he's always, always, you know, being that first fiddle, never really sharing any spotlight with Russell Westbrook, who deserved it. You know, and now, now he's gone to, you know, he, he left, you know, he's, he, he walked out in the middle of the night to go to Golden State. You know, no announcement, no thinking, just, just left. And you're the Houston fans, so just imagine if imagine. Kevin Durant wasn't a little bit selfish, that trio of Westbrook, Harden, and Durant that would have won so many could championships. Still be here today. That would have won so many championships. I'll tell you what, that the fact that the fact that they had three All Stars in Oklahoma City and they were left with the worst one is indicative to the atmosphere of that locker room. You know, and it's indicative to the ownership. It's indicative of, you know, how Kevin Durant acts. It's a problem, but I see him going to the Knicks because I feel that he needs to be playing in a big market. And what's a bigger market than New York? You know, he wants that spotlight. And if he can do something in New York, if he can get that franchise going, which without Porzingis, I don't know if they can, you know, that's... That's that's his goal. He wants to have the spotlight, and what better place to do it than New York? I think that's a fair estimate, and, you know, the only team I've seen for Kevin Durant is Knicks, and he wants to build that legacy. He wants to be liked again, so... He'll never be liked again, but at least he can try to, you know, at least he can try to get the New York fans on his side. You know, if you can get the New York fans, that's at least something. Like, I don't even think the Golden State fans really like him. You know, they like how good he is. But as a person, do they really like Kevin Durant? Is he really someone who kids are sitting at home and, and, you know, they ask, they ask, you know, you ask your kid, hey, who's your favorite warrior? Is Kevin Durant really the first one that's going to pop to mind? No, it's, it's going to be Steph. Steph Curry. It's going to be Steph. Or maybe Clay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those two guys are the faces of the franchise. Kevin Durant wants to be the face of a franchise. And he wants to do it in a big market. He doesn't want to be the face of the franchise in Sacramento. He doesn't want to be the face of the franchise in, like, Orlando. He wants to go to New York, and he wants to take over Madison Square Garden, and he wants to be the big guy and the big lights right right around Times Square, you know? But I think going to a small market would also be good things for Ken Durant's legacy because, you know, it comes back to a point, like, he didn't need to go to Golden State. He shouldn't have gone to Golden State. That was such a mistake for him. So if he went to a smaller market team and, and lead made them, them to greatness, yeah. Go to, you know, go to Sacramento, go to Phoenix, go to Salt Lake. He won't go to Salt Lake because Salt Lake is a bad place. And we saw that last night with Russell Westbrook. Um, which, that was... Which is a healthy transition to our final topic and something I want to ask you about before we go. We've seen a couple of instances over the over the past couple of days of fans being very, very bad. In England, we saw two instances of pitch invasion. One of them, uh, a man hopped the barrier, ran onto the field, and clunked Jack Grealish in the back of the head. Grealish was lucky to have not been hurt and wound up scoring the game winner of that match. Um, and then, of course, last night, Russell Westbrook got into a little verbal altercation with some people. 
you know. So before we before we sign off, what needs to be done to keep fans in check? How do you make sure that heckling doesn't turn into abuse? So that's the main issue here. And honestly, I don't have an explanation here. Like there's not like a clear cut and it's like, you know, do this and, you know, all this, you know, heckling stuff will stop because, you know, fans are going to do whatever they're going to do. You can't pr- accurately, you know, predict in the future this will happen or this will not happen. You know, fans will do whatever happens, whatever is on their mind. I know with the pitch invaders, it's very easy. Stadium bans. I think lifetime stadium bans make it clear that this will not be tolerated and that this is not behavior that is acceptable. Um, and as soon as you do that, people will start to really consider, you know, streaking. They'll really consider running onto the field. They'll really start to reconsider their uh, their their potential actions. But that is all the time that we have for today on KNC Sports. Thank you for tuning in, and we will be back next Tuesday, same time, same place. So definitely, uh. Make sure to tune in once again. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy the beautiful weather if you are in Columbia. And have a wonderful rest of your week. We will talk to you next Tuesday.